Blog Talk Radio. Live from Southern California and broadcasting worldwide on Wealth Radio. A tax lawyer prescribing a dose of truth for entrepreneurs. A voice of common sense for the small business owner. And don't get him started on saving taxes. This is the Mark Kohler Show. Mark Kohler Show. Kohler Show. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. Excited to be here with you. Man, I guess I should repeat that. Music was a little loud there. Sorry. Mark Kohler here with your co-host, Matt Sorensen. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, excited to talk about some uh, estate planning, creative strategies, as well as some open forum questions. We are, we already see we got lots of listeners on the line today want to welcome you all out. This is all about building wealth, saving taxes, protecting your assets, and the opportunity we have to be put on the spot, held, our feet held to the fire, and try to give you great answers to your tax and legal questions. We're going to do our best to get the answers if we don't have them right now. Of course, that's a, a big task for us. It's always a, a nerve-wracking time. But uh, please, for those that are already listening today, if you have a call, a question, Live callers get priority, so please dial in at 646-200-4285. That's 646-200-4285. And if you'd like to email your question in, uh, please email Matt at uh, Matt Sorensen at Matt, M-A-T, at KKOSLawyers.com or myself, Mark, M-A-R-K, at MarkJKohler.com. I, I've got the KKOS handle as well, but uh, sometimes it's easier right there with my name too. So Mark, M-A-R-K, Mark, J as in Jolly, com. So send us an email with your question. We've got a, a lot of questions here in the hopper already. So we're gonna, just going to go through our normal format, hit some tax and legal tips for the week, and then uh, cover some estate planning back and forth with some questions. It's going to be an exciting show. Yeah, so we're going to start off and talk about creative wills and trusts. Try to get your juices flowing because this month is the law firm's estate planning month. If you haven't known that yet from social media or our newsletters or all of our announcements, we want to make sure everyone knows it is estate planning month at KQS Lawyers. We started this a year or two ago around Memorial Day, and we have excellent discounts on estate planning. You get a full estate plan with a trust for $8.99. That's even a married couple. So our prices are significantly discounted. We do it this time of year to try and encourage people who procrastinate and just need that extra additional reason to uh, get their estate plan done. So check out the website and the newsletter for details on that. And also want to let you know, if you have estate planning questions, feel free to hit those in the format today, but you don't have to have estate planning questions. We're going to take all tax and legal questions in the open forum today. Yeah, and and, and this Memorial Day is a great time. If you see a uh, gravestone, which you may, it's Memorial Day, we want to encourage you uh, to uh, think about your own estate plan. This is your chance to talk about uh, your estate plan and what it's going to be like for your family, heaven forbid, when you pass on. We want to make sure that everything's uh, organized for you. You don't want to leave a mess for your family. So make sure that you uh, consider your estate plan while you're thinking about Memorial Day and uh, get on track. So I think it's going to be great. Now, um, I know Matt's dealing with some technical issues on his end, uh, so I'm going to just run right now with a couple announcements on our newsletter. So if you did get a chance to look at the newsletter, we've got some great articles this week as usual. You can sign up for the newsletter at any of our uh, law or accounting firm websites. And of course, refreshyourwealth.com will uh, be up soon. For those that are catching the podcast, it will be already there for you. But for our live listeners here, until we make the transition to the new show, uh, you can go to kkoslawyers.com or markjcolor.com, all the different websites there. Sign up for the newsletter. Today's articles are 
uh, all over the place, lots of variety. So, you know, uh, since it's the Memorial Day special, we're talking about who should I list as trustee of my trust. Uh, great topic, and Matt Sorens has written some articles, uh, an article on that and giving you some ideas. And then also, how can you better protect your privacy? And I shot a video for this too, so it's in the newsletter. It's an awesome video. I actually, I know this sounds dorky, after I shot the video, I was so excited to, to watch the video myself. I sat down for three minutes uh, with Rob Snyder here, my assistant, and we, we went through it and uh, watched the I was like, hey, this turned out pretty well. So please check out that video, Privacy, How to Protect Yourself from Identity Theft and, and uh, Hide Your Assets Better. It's an aspect of asset protection. It's not asset protection. It complements it. So look into that. Then, of course, we've got some of the follow-up articles from last week. How to, uh, Is the Apple Watch tax deductible? Myths and facts of using IRA trusts. Eight things you must do to protect your assets. Good stuff. So please check out the newsletter. I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, and uh, uh, it always should be a resource that you can email around to your friends and share it. It's, uh, it's good stuff. Now, um, every week, as you know, we have our regular tax or legal tip, and we've got Rick on the line with us. This is Rick Taylor. He's, uh, gosh, one of our superstar CPAs at K&E CPAs. Folks, the reason why we like to bring out Rick and Jeremy and Lee and some of these other attorneys and CPAs is they're in the trenches. You're, you, that's where you want your tips. You want your people that are really doing tax returns to tell you what they're seeing. And so there's always these gurus that travel around the country that just speak and blah, 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 and they never do any work. I want you to know I try to do some work every <laughs> try if I'm not doing 10 hours of work a day. So I'm trying to work it there with you. But anyway, um, uh, keep, keep in mind these are people in the trenches doing work that can really give you some specific feedback. So we're excited to invite Rick on the show about once a month to come out here and tell us what he's seen. So Rick, are you there? I am here, Mark. Ah, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, it's no problem, no problem at all. How are we doing well, today? Yeah, we're good. It's you know, it's the springtime. It's after April fifteenth, so we're happy about that. So uh, very happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you got for us? What'd you run into this last week? Um, well, I wanted to touch briefly on on. Um, a couple of things, actually. Um, first is when you get your tax return prepared, um, after you get it prepared, you're going to get a chance to, to look at the tax return. Um, I, I find that there's there's two different types of people usually. One is the person that just doesn't want to look at it at all and, and just um, accepts it for what it is, and the other person is the, the person that really um, dives into it. Um, and, and, and my tip is to, if you're one of those people that just accept things as they are, Try not to be that person. Um, try to try to look at the tax return a little bit, um, even if it's just checking name, spelling, social security number, and address. Try to try to look at your tax return to make sure that that it's right. Um, so so that's my that's my first tip. We we run into things every every now and again, and just recently actually had one where the 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 social security number for one of the dependents was off. Um, a, a number was transposed. So so we had to go in and correct it, and not a big deal, but make that correction. Um, well, and I think well, if I can interject here, Rick, this is an important sure. point for people too that um, it, when they get their tax return back, I know many of you listening to this show, the last thing you want to do is read your tax return. Now, I've also got those clients, typically the engineers, and you know you're listening to the show, that want to dive into every line item. That's cool. Sure. <laughs> but um, <laughs> for those of you that are really don't want to look at your tax return, this is a chance to do a little bit of planning. Even if you don't understand it, call up your personal tax consultant. That's what we call them at our office, your PTC. You'd call up Rick and go, Rick, walk me through this, man. Hey, what am I missing? What are there some strategies I can do this year? Even if it's just a 15 or 20 minute call, look sure. at, I like what you're saying. Look at the address, look at the social security numbers. Rick, this is your chance to shine, right? I mean, you're loving this phone call. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely love to get those calls. I really do. And, and, and that's from my heart of hearts. I, I really do like to get the, the call and explain to, to people what I'm doing. Um, here's, here's what this number is. This is what this number does. Here are your deductions over here. Uh, oh, look, we've got some, some deductions here. Um, you know, that that actually is an enjoyable part of my job um, to to consult with people and 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 talk to them about what is actually on their tax return. Okay, well, Rick, thanks so much for the tip today. Appreciate uh, you coming on. How can people get a hold of you? 
Uh, call the office, 435-865-5866. Ask for Rick. That's the, the way to get hold of me. Or to email rick at ke-cpas.com. All right. Well, cool, Rick. Thanks so much. Um, you're a good example of a good tax consultant. Someone that wants to talk, you know, you're 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 a cut from the mold. I love it. That's good. <laughs> he does it by the hour, you know, so that that does help. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Uh, okay, well, thanks, thanks Rick. Rick. Well, let's. Uh, sorry, everyone. I had a little technical difficulty, bounced off and back on here, but uh, so let's just roll into our legal tip and bring on Jaron Burgesson, attorney in our Cedar City office. Um, helping clients, of course, all over the country on numerous issues. Jerem, what do you got for us in terms of a legal tip? Uh, yeah, actually, or sports I, tip. I, I don't know. Or, you know, or sports. Well, tip. it's kind of kind of a dead time. Well, there's the NBA playoffs, but anyway, yeah. no, I I don't have too much in the in the sports realm. I actually had, <laughs> excuse me, I had a client in the office uh, last week. Um, she's a widow and she has nine kids, and she's just the nicest lady in the world. Um, and we were going through, and I'm going to, at the risk of living in a shoe? Or isn't there some sort yeah, of like nursery yeah, rhyme that I, goes with this? I, I think, yeah, <laughs> there was an old lady who lived in a shoe. She wasn't that old, but uh, she was. She, she is a widow. Um, wow. And, oh, that was sad. Okay, and nine yeah, kids. I mean, Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, nine kids. I mean, she was in her probably 60s, but, you know, not not that old. Um, but she, she, at the you know risk of beating a dead horse to death as Carl Malone would say, I'm going to talk a little bit about estate planning. We were going through her <laughs> estate plan, uh, and and uh, her she couldn't name, she couldn't figure out um, who to. She didn't have an estate plan yet. She had a, a questionnaire and she was ready to go, but she couldn't figure out who to name as her executor and who to name as her personal representative and who to name as her health care power of attorney. She wanted, she brought up the idea of naming all nine of her kids to all of those roles as co-personal representatives and co. Anyway, and she just, we said, oh, there's reasons you may not want to do that. And we kind of went through and she just didn't want to leave anybody out. She didn't want anybody to feel bad. And I, I, I got to the point, I said, you know what, I think we're at the point here and people tend to get this with their estate plan where they, they have paralysis by analysis. I can't get it exactly right, so I end up not doing anything at all. And I told her, the problem is you can leave my my office here today and not make a decision on these things and put it off. But I've seen too many times where people put it off and put it off and put it off. And when it, mm-hmm. with estate planning, when it's too late, it's really too late because it's too late when you pass away, and there's nothing you can do at that point. Um so my point with an estate plan, uh, with estate planning, is this: you can get that paralysis by analysis sometimes. Where I, 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 uh, I don't know. Maybe I want to do this. Maybe I want to do that. I can't get it exactly dialed into what I want to do. Sometimes you've just got to take that leap and get it done, and know that after the fact, I can come back and change it. I, it's an, it's an amendable thing. I can change it if, if, if I come to that decision as to what exactly I want to do, I can change it. The problem is if you don't do anything, then the law steps in, the intestacy laws of the state step in and Mm -hmm. say, this is what's going to happen with your assets. And it may not be anywhere near what you want to have happen. The the state uh, courts may decide to have someone who you would never want to be your personal representative be your personal representatives. Your kids may fight and pay attorneys to be named the personal representative of your estate. All of those things can happen if you do nothing. All right. So, um, Jerem, your point is get your estate plan done. Don't procrastinate it. Don't overthink it. You're better off getting something done than nothing. And uh, I think the important point there, too, from a legal standpoint, to keep everyone aware, is this can be amended. Don't freak out. It's not set in stone. You can always amend this and come back and change it as needed. So make some decisions. Get you know 90% done of what you need to get done. If you're having a heartbreak on something, just make a decision, move forward, and know you can come back and amend it. And I think people knowing that, I think, can help them break through and get their estate plan done. So, Right. Um, having something that's close to what you want is better than better than having nothing. Right, right. Very true. I've seen that same problem, too. So, 
Um, hey, I wanted to point out too, just for everybody, uh, is Jerem was talking about uh, a person thinking about who to name as their personal representative um, or executor on a will or who to list as trustee of a trust. Um, I do have an article in the newsletter out on that topic, so um, check that out. It was a very, um, I thought, a pretty thoughtful analysis of who you might want to list as trustee of your trust. When do I list a family member, a non-family member? Should I seek a professional? I kind of tried to break that down to help people think about um, who they should list, and I also outlined common scenarios of who people will list in specific situations. So, um, Well, Jerem, thanks so much for the tip. Appreciate it. And uh, another plug, of course, this is Estate Planning Month, so um, yeah. if you've had that analysis paralysis, um, no better time than now to get out of that and, and get your estate plan done. Yeah, and I, I'll just highlight, some of you may have seen in the uh, social media, I, I, I actually went skydiving recently, and I I didn't, you know, think it was going to, now this does relate to estate planning, so this is very important, but I was, I, you know, I thought, hey, this is my girl's 18th birthday, they've been waiting till they were 18 to skydive, If many, unless you guys are skydiving down in, you know, a third world country, you can't skydive until you're 18, so they were... Uh, they were so excited to go, and it was their 18th birthday party, was to go get as many people as they could and go jump out of a plane. Sounds a little insane, but I thought, hey, this is cool. I'm a hip dad. I can do this. You know, <laughs> This isn't going to be a big deal. You know, And so we get there, and you know, and uh, there was a weight issue. Um, you, ha- you cannot weigh more than – okay, I'm going to just say it, so this is embarrassing, but you cannot weigh more than 230 pounds. Now, I'm trying to get down to 210, 220 right now. I'm on a little weight, you know. Losing weight. I am 6'2", so ladies just know that, you know, all the way in the right spots. You know, I look good. But anyway, so, but I had this literally stripped down to, to like, parachute pants and, and no underwear or anything just to make the weight. I mean, I was, like, you know, going to the bathroom. I'm trying to make weight. You know, this, I know this is a parachute. And then you felt area. really good about strapping that parachute on because you're like yeah yeah so then i've got this parachute and these belts you're working the limit just to get in the door i know i almost on my skin you know so anyway but the point is is i i you know after i got through the weigh-in hurdle i thought okay i gotta go and and we got to do it and so we get out and we get our little speech you know what to do and what not to do and and at that moment i was thinking okay What's my estate plan say again? Who <laughs> like who am I leaving everything to? You know, how is this going to work out? I've got my 18-year-old girls here. Are they going to get a chunk of money? Okay, no, this is not. And, and my wife had given me a list recently of some things she wanted to change in there. And we had literally haven't changed our trust in like 15 years. And so there's some little modifications we got to do. But of course, her lawyer's dragging his feet. But um, anyway, long story short, we got up, and I thought I was going to be pretty cool about this thing. But we get up in the plane, and and. And and I was all good, you know, we're taking off. But, boy, when they open up that door and you stick your legs out, I'm like, I'm not going. I'm not doing it. I Seriously, I would have stopped right there because you look down and you're like, is this parachute really going to open? And there's, I've got, you know, 5,000 feet below me or whatever it was. And I was like, holy crap. And so if I wouldn't have had this guy on my back, I would have never done it. I like He's like, okay, we're going. I'm like, no. You know, and then I just fall, and I'm freaking out, and I got a good pick. But anyway, in my social media, if you're following me on my daily tax and legal tips on, on Facebook or Instagram, you'll see a picture of me jumping out of this plane, and I was gonna, you know, I just want you to know I was estate plan approved before I jumped. So I want all of you, you know, this is your Memorial Day month, so before you go jump out of a plane or bungee jump, you got to make sure that. And I should even say, you go parasailing. Did you see it on the, on the Today Show today? Uh, talking about these people getting hurt parasailing, and it's crazy, so be careful. So, Jerem, I appreciate your tip. I just want to relate to that with a personal story. You know, I'm, I'm feeling I that. appreciate that. Well, to skydive, because I weigh too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got to make the weight. <laughs> yeah, you, got, right, you well, know, and, and you got to get a state plan approved, so I like that. I think yeah. we need to go to all skydiving companies and make sure they get all their people estate plan approved. Because funny, you say that. I have had a client literally come to me who said, we need to get our estate plan done. My wife won't let me skydive until I do it. So, And that's why, that's the, that is the principal reason they got their estate plan done is because he wanted to skydive. So, um, But also, you know, this is brings up an, uh, something I want to talk about today um, in terms of our topic, which is a lot of times some of us will go through a 
a life event, you know, and maybe it is really honestly centered around Memorial Day and thinking of loved ones. Um, or, or maybe, you know, I had a, another client come in who was having surgery and the doctor in hospital was asking about their estate documents and do you have these documents in order? Do you have a health care power of attorney? Do you have a living will? And a lot of times we have a certain life event that prompts us to think, man, I need to get my estate plan done. And it, it could be, you know, something like skydiving or something you choose, or it could be something serious, something happens in your family. And and um, I even had clients that have had uh, terminal illnesses diagnosed and had to get an estate plan done, and it became uh, a, a critical item to take care of in your in your family. So uh, we know it's serious. We're excited to talk about some of the creative terms and some of the cool things that you can do in an estate plan today and uh, try and share some of the ideas we've seen that have um, really thought were cool with some of the things our clients have done. Yeah, no, good stuff. Well, let's jump to some of our open forum questions. Let's get the calls come. You know, we've got bunches of emails flying in, some questions. We, I, I apologize we're not able to take all your questions. Um, we're going to pick and choose the easy ones. Of course, oh, sorry, did I say that online? I, on, on live? Okay, sorry. <laughs> but no, we're We'll, we'll choose some hard ones here. So let me throw in here at Matt. Um, I, this is from Kay, and she says, uh, I, live in Ari- I, li- I have an LLC in Arizona where I live for my rentals. Um, appar- <laughs> no, I don't know if you should be living for your rentals, but I think that's where you live and manage your rentals is what you're saying, Kay. Okay. <laughs> and then, yeah. and, and then she, she says, I am branching out into other states. Does my Arizona LLC still cover me if I put the out-of-state property in my Arizona LLC, or would I have to start an LLC in every state? I'm currently looking at Alabama, and it looks like they would require me to have a foreign LLC and need to hire an agent there. Is that common? Are you aware if a rental is considered a business that is required to pay business privilege tax in Arizona, I mean in Alabama? I can't remember what you said about the properties and value and how many properties in an LLC either. Well, gosh, Kay, anything else? Do you want to throw in, you know, world peace? Okay, yeah. geez. Okay. No, I'm just playing. Great questions. Matt, what do you think about this LLC in other states? Okay, yeah. If you have an LLC in one state and you're then going to buy properties or do business in another state, you're going to need to register that that LLC. In this case, the Arizona LLC would need to be registered into Alabama. Now, I do have an article on my blog about this, about foreign registration, because I really looked into the details on this of why you may need to do that, and there's two reasons why. One, if you go to Alabama and you're trying to record a deed and you have an Arizona LLC, a lot of times county recorders will kick out the deed and they won't record it unless that entity is registered into their state. So one, there's a practical reason of why you may need to do that. The second is for liability purposes. There are state laws out there that say if you don't register your LLC into our state and something happens on that property, we're not acting as like you have an LLC because you never registered it into our state. So for Alabama law purposes, as an example, you don't have an LLC. As a result, you need to register a foreign in there to get Alabama recognition of that entity that's in Arizona. All states recognize other states' LLCs in the U.S., so so it's relatively straightforward. And you're right, you will have to have what's called a registered agent in that state. You'll need to appoint and list an address in the state of Alabama for the LLC. And we can help with these things, obviously. Um, Now, the next part was the business and privilege tax part of the question, which I'm going to somewhat punt on that because I'm not certain on Alabama in particular. Um, We might be familiar with some other states, but Alabama I'm not familiar with the business and privilege tax and, and what may be applicable there. So uh, talk to your CPA. Yeah, let me, let me comment on that. If, <laughs> if the resident CPA on the line can't comment, then uh, we, we better, uh, <laughs> you know, close the show. So let me say this. Alabama is a weird one. It, it's similar to some other states that have kind of a, um, uh, a franchise tax, which is typical in California. And there, the rule, there are some exemptions if it's family owned and um, there's some due dates for this and which entities are required to file i what I, I it's a lot it's a big topic for a radio show and so i'm going to take um some information that i have here on it i i've got a little cheat sheet on a lot of this stuff and so i want to um uh, you know i can say that it could be an issue and so what i want to do um um is 
file, write an article on this for next week. I, I will say this too, the, the Alabama.gov income tax site is very, very helpful. They have an FAQ section on um, this whole topic. And according to the business, Alabama business privilege tax, every corporation, LLC, and disregarded entity doing business in Alabama um, is required to file an Alabama business privilege tax return and an annual report. Now, how much you owe um, and what the limit may be, because if you file this family limited liability entity, there's a special form for that, you're, the tax will be no more than $500. Um, and also, when you're generating a loss with typically rental property, I, I, I believe their, their tax would be, um, there's not going to be any tax. But again, I don't want to pontificate too much on the Alabama issue, and so I will write an article on this for next week's newsletter. So, okay, look forward to the newsletter, and anybody investing in Alabama, check my blog in the future for a little article on Alabama. Um, okay, so Matt, that left the rest of her question, which I know is, uh, she threw out a couple items, is... Um, how many properties go into each LLC? Is it is it a little much? What what are your thoughts? Yeah, generally, if you have multiple properties, more than one property, we're, we want to focus on how much equity do you have between the properties. So, if you have five properties in one LLC, for example, we want to know how much equity is there. If all five of those properties are mortgaged to the hilt, then we're fine leaving all those properties in one LLC. Now, the reason we want to look at this and, your, and analyze this is we want to know how much equity are you going to have in that one LLC. Because if something goes wrong on property number one, and let's see each of these properties have 100000 of equity. Something goes wrong on property number one, well, that plaintiff in that lawsuit could sue the LLC and get all the properties in that LLC. So once we feel like there's about 200000 of equity, 200000 to 250000 of equity, in one LLC, between multiple properties, we like to start separating out properties in their own separate LLCs. That way, if something goes wrong on property number one, now in the example, and that property, let's say, is in its own LLC, the plaintiff could sue that LLC and get at that property, but they couldn't get into other LLCs that own separate properties. And in, in that way, you're kind of not holding all your eggs in one basket. You're separating them out to separate out the liability. Now, not everyone needs to do that. It just depends on how much equity you have. So if you have a couple hundred thousand of equity, you may want to consider that. Well, and let me throw this out finally here, too. I know that some of you listening to the show may be going, geez, do we have to talk about rentals the whole time? No, we're not. You know, got some other good stuff here. <laughs> um, but as nobody was know, thinking that. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> nobody. Excuse how me, of course not. Think that? Yeah. So, but... As many of you know, in my books and in many of mine and Matt's speeches, we talk about an important aspect of retirement planning is to be investing in rental property on a regular basis. Now, that may be rental property in your local area. It could be around the country. It could be commercial versus single-family home, duplexes, mobile homes. I don't know. Find what works best for you. But being diversified is critical, and it gives us an extra opportunity to save taxes on our tax returns. And I know some of you listening hate rentals and don't want rentals. Well, folks, I'm not saying you got to put on a strap on a you know plunger and go out and plunge your own rental properties, toilets. There's there are great property managers. We have a show every year we do on managing property managers. Uh, those are going to be in our archive for the show history. So please check those out. But okay, now moving on. Let's let's uh, jump over here to one of our uh, questions here today. We've got Ken. Uh, he says, and it's Ken from Illinois. says, Mark, I appreciate the open forum questions. I always learn something. Thanks so much. My question is regarding a series LLC in Illinois. Can you have multiple partners in this type of LLC? If I have a single owner LLC and use individual joint venture agreements to create partnerships, is that possible or advisable? So that's a second question. And I was told by an attorney you cannot have multiple partners within the same LLC. Uh, wrong, Bozo Firem. Just trying to be clear, <laughs> Property 1, Series 1, has a Smith and Jones as partners. Property 2, Series 2, has Wilson and Jones. Property 3, as Lee and Jones. The cost of LLC in Illinois is very expensive. Sorry about the long questions. Well, Matt, can I fill the last of this, uh, and then I'll throw... <clears throat> Yeah, a little bit your way. You know, here sounds since great. You commented on that. Okay, cool. So here, here's what I would like to say: you can have multiple partners 
in a series LLC. Now, do you want it? Is it complicated? You know, that's a question, and it can it be complicated? Yes, but it is doable. So in now, and for those that don't haven't done business in Illinois, and by the way, I own rental property in Illinois. It's a great state for rental property, but the filing fee is six hundred and fifteen dollars for a freaking LLC in that state. It's the highest in the country. Now there are some annual fees in other states that make Illinois look more attractive, but at least the initial filing fee is a pain. So guys, don't think Ken's being crazy here. It is a big deal. Um, also, every series you file, Ken, in Illinois is a $50 filing fee. So you've got to keep that in mind. A lot cheaper than 615 bucks, but don't forget about it. So let's say you have two, let's say you, me, and Ken are going to be partners in this LLC. That's cool. We each own a third. It's a pretty straightforward series LLC. But where Ken throws in the the twist is he goes, oh, well, in Series 1, it's Smith & Jones. In Series 2, it's Wilson & Jones. And in Series 3, it's Lee & Jones. Okay, well, now you've got these different sub-series with different partners, and those sub-series would have to file their own tax return, potentially, rather than consolidating all into one. Or what you can also do is Smith, Jones, Wilson, and Lee, all four of your parties, partners of the main series LLC, but then you keep spreadsheets, partnership agreement that defines who owns which properties, and you're keeping separate checking, and you're doing a spreadsheet that allocates the profits and losses based by property, and then it's all spit out pro rata at the end on the tax return. Now, if some of you want to pull off the side of the road and vomit or fell asleep on the road, okay, that's a big complicated point, but <laughs> the issue is can it can be done. It means your accountant needs to have their head screwed on properly. You're going to have to do some QuickBooks and some Excel spreadsheets at the end of the year to bring it all together. But it's doable. It is. It's doable. So just realize the partnership agreement needs to reflect who owns what. And then the accounting has got to clearly reflect who's getting what. And then the accountant can bring the whole thing together. So a little crazy. Matt, let me throw the other question of Ken's here that I think is a good one. He says, mm -hmm. if I have a single-owned LLC and I want to use JV agreements to create partnerships with others, well, could that work? What are your, what's your take on that, Matt? Yeah, I think the JV agreement works depending on what you're doing. Um, I do have a blog article on when to use a JV agreement. Um, God, we've thought about so many of these issues, haven't we, Mark? Yeah, um, you're amazing, Matt. You're amazing. <laughs> you know. uh, and here's the here's the gist of it. If it's a one-time deal with someone, you know, let's say you're a real estate investor, you know, and take this example, you have a LLC that owns a property, and you're going to joint venture with a contractor to rehab it and sell it. All right. Well, you might just want to do a joint venture agreement with that contractor, agree to you know, some profit sharing maybe on the sale of the property, and maybe you're going to split profits on it. And that could be a good opportunity to use a JV agreement. Now, on the other hand, let's say it's a rental property, though, and you and a partner are going to go in on a rental property that you're going to that's going to be a property you're going to hold. That's probably not something to use a JV agreement for. JV agreement's more short-term in nature, something you're going to be in and out of. Um, or it's maybe some service or something that's being provided, but owning property or something like that, even a long-term operating business, uh, you may not want to use a JV agreement. We'd probably just put each in as partners into an LLC, and that would be the uh, uh, the difference there. So in general, short-term, um, service-oriented, think of a JV, long-term stuff, more permanent, think of partnering up perhaps in an LLC. All right, I like it. Now let's jump over here um, to a question from Toby. He submitted this for a couple open forums, and he's gotten passed over, and I really like his question, so we're going to hit it right here. Um, he said, Mark, a friend of mine suggested that as a tax strategy, I might want to create a photography business, which might or might not make money. Of course. <laughs> he suggested that I'd only need to get a local business license, no entity needed, and that I could then write off all kinds of expenses, like perhaps several days per year of renting my home to my business to do photography showings. Boy, but your, your friend's getting more and more aggressive by the minute here. Food expenses for these showings, travel expenses to do photography, computer, camera, etc. I like those last comments. Um, 
Mark, I know that you're always encouraging us to start a business, and, I, and I've never fully understood what you meant. Are we getting close? What do you think of this idea? Toby, I freaking love it. This is an awesome idea. I've got, we've got clients all over the country that have a side photography business. This is a wonderful small business idea. Now, let me give a few caveats to what your friend's advice is, is here. First of all, <laughs> I want you to be able to write off auto mileage, photography shoots, computer, camera, GoPros, equipment, lighting, sound. Boy, write all that crap off. I love it. But you have to be able to show income to do so. So make sure that you're keeping good records of your money that's coming in and the expenses you're tracking. If you lose money more than two out of five years, so your first two years you could lose money and that loss could offset your other income. I'm cool with that. But if you are consistently losing money, the IRS is going to go, slow down, Toby. Either you suck at this or it's just a hobby. Which one is it? You're like, oh, well, okay, it's a hobby. So you get to still take the write-offs up to the level of income, but we can't generate a loss from those expenses and write it off against your other income. So it still works great. I mean, you're going to get a write-off for all that crap you're doing. Um, but let me just say this finally, too. Do, do you need an entity? No, not in particular. Do you need a local business license? I don't know either. Maybe, maybe not. If some home-based businesses, uh, there's no need for a local business license. I'm not going to, you know, say you have to run out the door and get one before you open up your doors. Go on, start doing some photography. When you have a literal brick-and-mortar location with customers and clients walking in, you really should get a business license. You've got employees and that sort of thing. A lot of people that are doing an eBay business or working out of their home, a local business license is, is not as critical. I wouldn't stress about it. Now, down the road, if this photography business takes off, we might want to incorporate. Maybe there's some liability. You're doing weddings. You're doing a lot of deals. You've got employees. You're making more money. We want to do an escort. I don't know. But right now, get out and start shooting. Keep track of that income. Keep track of those expenses, and you're freaking on it. Love it. Matt, I mean, any follow-up on that? Yeah, I mean, I think when you have a, a photography business, I think you need a jet ski, too. And because <laughs> one of the most popular photos you're going to want is a jet ski photo. And how can you do that shoot if you don't have a jet ski? So yeah. um, I don't know why the friend didn't throw that idea out, but yeah. uh, no, I'm just, I'm just teasing, of course. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, tell your friends. I, yeah, and seriously, I mean, um, I bought some camera equipment for my daughter, and of course, I bought it in the business. We shoot some some video and camera, and use those photos on our websites and our marketing, and um, and I use that stuff for my book as well. So, um, I'm obviously down this vein. I I love the idea, and uh, what better thing to do than make a little business out of it? If you really love doing it, you know what I mean. If if that's kind of the precipice of this. Why not start a little business out of it? You know, try and make some money at it. Do something you love, and uh, be able to buy cool equipment that you can use for stuff you personally love to do. That maybe not make doesn't make you money in photography. Yeah, no, good stuff. Well, I suggest Matt, if you're open to it, let's move over to our topic today of how to get creative with your will and trust. Now, I don't want to talk about nightmare stories or why Robin Williams screwed it up, or, you know, who knows, you know, let's stay away from some of those nightmare <laughs> examples we've given in the past. For you, our listeners, we're digging deep. We're digging deep today, and we want to throw out some creative ideas. We actually have a two-page list we give clients, and I literally have it pulled up in Word right now because I'm going to add to it. I know after a call like today, I always come up with something new, and we send this to clients to give them ideas. So I'm going to throw out a couple of them here. And Matt, maybe you've got a couple examples that you've seen recently. Um, it's, yeah. it, it could be. I'll give one of the standards, and then I, and then I, or a couple standard ones, and then I'll give something, that, you know, that, which are still creative for a lot of people. But you know, these are ones that I I literally throw in so many of my estate plans for clients. One of them is, do you really want your kids running around with your cash, your life insurance, your retirement accounts at age 18? Probably not. If you've got an 18 year old, you know what I'm saying. So I love to have a trust 
designed to give kids money in stages. A third when they're 25, a third when they're 30, and a third when they're 35. They'll blow the first third, they'll try to keep the second third and still lose it, then by the time they're 35, they're going to realize that third is the golden egg they cannot screw up. So it really helps your children mature with money over time. I love that creative provision. Um, Also, with your kids under age 18, a lot of times I keep it in a trust as a group trust. And so the guardian can spit out money for the kids under age 18 to help the guardian out, but once they, the oldest kid turns 18, boom, we split that trust into separate individual trusts for each child. One kid wants to go to Harvard, the other kid wants to start a small business, the other one just wants to sit on their butt. I don't know. That way the trust can be tailored at that point to each child. Um, the final other one, just kind of getting even a little more creative, is I've had clients that say they get money every year while they're going to school for books and tuition if they keep a certain GPA. They've got to have a GPA that's acceptable. I'm shooting for, you know, my first year in college, I was shooting for about a 2.2, 2.5. I was in the money. But, um, of course, I was in BYU-Hawaii, and I had surfing class. But, I, you know, I was making headway. So it was, uh, it was a good time. So you just set a GPA level that works for your child and put that in the trust, too. Matt, I mean, you've seen all sorts of things, too. Yeah, you know, and as we're talking about these creative terms, generally these are going to happen in a trust. Um, your will, you're not going to be as creative as much. I mean, you can outline who gets what, but a lot of these provisions we're talking about, you're going to need to incorporate and use in a trust, which is all these state plans typically we set up are going to include a trust. So um, let me throw out a couple that I had that I thought were really cool. I had a, a client that was um, uh, a husband and wife who had both previously been married. They both had separate children. And they both had very different plans on they had the husband and wife both shared their money at this point, but had very different plans on what they wanted for their own kids who were all adult children at this time. So we drafted some specific provisions in for each kid, and they these this uh, couple had multiple businesses, different pieces of real estate, and different kids had different interests, and different kids had different personalities, and they really went through their estate and were were thoughtful about all right. This would be great for this child. This would be great for this child. They had a child with special needs. This child needs needs this and this person to take care of it. And so um, if you look at your estate, I mean, a lot of times the default people will say, hey, I got four kids. They're each just going to get an equal one-fourth share and and sell everything. And and that's, that's common. Sometimes that's easy and, and, and recommended. But some people want to say, hey, I want some of these things to carry on after I pass away. There's a business that one of my kids is involved with me. With me. This kid's interested in real estate, and I have some, some real estate properties. And they they went through asset by asset and tried to be fair in the values and uh, and created a plan for um, assets to carry on to the family members upon their passing, which I thought was uh, was really cool. Oh, I love it. You know, a couple other creative ones here. And, and, and you know what? As we talk about these creative ones, I think people need to realize you make the law. We just write it. So if you've got the craziest idea in the world on what you want to implement with your kids – We'll, put, we'll implement it, and if they challenge it, they get nothing. So it's sweet. You know, we'll hold their feet <laughs> to the fire. Now, um, you know, we have a standard one that says if any kids are on drugs or um, have criminal issues, the money's held at bay. Um, that You know, I've had clients that say if my kids get a tattoo, they get cut out of this or that. I mean, they've, they've had, they have to go to church to get their money. I mean, these are some things that many of you would probably have an ethical or moral problem with. But guess what? It's your freaking money. So if you want to be as crazy as you want, you're allowed to here. Screw up your kids' lives. You already, you know, you already have one shot at it. When you're dead, you can have another shot at it. That was good. <laughs> I've never made that. That just kind of rolled off my tongue there. That's going to go in the normal yeah. speech now. Yeah, that is. I like that. Because, now, by the way, I'm a parent where, you know, it's just I've given up, you know. I'm just I'm just hanging on, you know. I'm just like I'm just barely hanging on. I've got teenagers, you know. Some of you out there know what I'm feeling like. But here's another one that I've really liked, where parents say, "I don't want to create a trust baby, where kids just get this money and they do nothing." So they said, when our kids are older, they get a dollar for every dollar they earn. And as soon as they the money's out of the trust, the trust is over. If they want to get their money. Just turn in your tax return every year. Whatever your AGI is, the trust will cut you a check. 
the end. And so it gives people an incentive to, kids an incentive to really, now this is a lot of times after college education, they'll say, after your degree, we're going to implement this. And it's exciting because kids are allowed to sometimes take a job that they wouldn't otherwise that might be beneficial to their career. It could be something in the arts, you know, that psychology degree that's worthless. Maybe this could be the chance, you know, for them to make a little money. So get creative. Yeah, I think um, a lot of the terms that people like are stuff they they want to encourage certain behavior in a trust, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, I want a child to have money set aside to start a small business. I want to encourage entrepreneurship. Um, I want them to have unlimited access to money for higher education expenses. They want to encourage education. I want them to have money available for church service or volunteer service so that they can serve other people and and, and they're wanting to encourage that behavior. And those things are all great, really common things that um, that we'll include for, for clients as they as they desire. On the other hand, too, sometimes you want to discourage behavior and, um, and certain things. And um, I just want to – Mark kind of rattled off some earlier, and I wanted to point out a couple that even though this is the law, so to speak, as Mark said, you're writing the law, this is your money, do whatever the heck you want with it. There are a couple limitations to that. I'll give you all right. Most, whatever. Most of them never apply, but I do get. I have had this one a couple times. So I just want to set the draw the line at least here. Okay. 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 So, okay. And, and Does this have to do with drug it, running in South America or anything? No. Okay. No. 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 That's cool. You can. You, that one's fine. <laughs> okay. So um, there. Basically, there's a thing. There's a. Uh, state planning legal theory in the courts that will apply that says if you have a term in your trust that is against public policy, the courts will have a will not enforce that term in the trust. So uh, one that comes up sometimes is, hey, uh, my daughter Susan, for, as an example, she can, she can get uh, her inheritance from the trust so long as she divorces Bob the psycho that we don't like that pisses us off, and um, so if uh, and sometimes we'll see that of you know we 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 want our child to get it, but only if they divorce so and so, and so that's not possible. You can't encourage divorce or require someone to get divorced, even a child, in order to receive an inheritance. That the courts won't enforce that. That's against public policy. Now you could say we want it this only to be distributable to our daughter or son or whatever the case may be if you don't like the spouse and to say if and if our um if our child passes away we don't want their share to go to their hu- husband or, or you know their spouse that we don't like we want it to go directly to the grandkids and so you can incorporate some of those terms if there is a spouse of a child, for example, that you don't like, or you can make a plan to at least keep the money within the family, so to speak, and out out of the hands of of the uh, um, the the um, the excuse me the spouse that you don't you may not like. What about Matt? About encouraging marriage? Can you say you have to be married to get your money? Well, good question. I haven't thought about that, but I I think that goes. I think public policy is to encourage marriage, likely, so I think that would be okay. I don't know. Yeah, no, very interesting. You know, and I'm I'm going to get a little – you know, some of these issues, folks, have maybe not been in the court system. So, again, Matt and I are not all-knowing, all-powerful. But I recently had a client out of Hawaii that said in their trust, our child I, – I want to be somewhat um, cautious with this. I mean, these are, again, very, very controversial provisions – said our child – is living a same-sex lifestyle. And for her or him, I'm not going to say which sex it was, that child, for them to get their inheritance, they need to marry uh, a heterosexual partner. And I was like, oh, okay. And and at the time, Matt, I didn't have the answer either. I said, if you want to throw it in there, now they may take it to court and a judge may say, I don't yeah. like it or I like it. But it's interesting. Yeah, there's. I mean, those are the cases that go to the U.S. Supreme Court, man. There's so many on that issue of uh, of you know these gay and lesbian issues that are going through the courts right now, and um, so yeah, I mean that's a tricky topic. Yeah, thanks, thanks for bringing that up. You know, but I have a client, and I encourage him. You know, yeah, thanks. You bet, man. I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a show down. Yeah, in you can, you point. can uh, write Mark at Mark at Mark. <laughs> yeah, Direct I will inquiries. be accepting. 
all except bomb threats, uh, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. So now, uh, you know, I think, again, um, there's many, many other standard ones, bringing it back to a light level, where clients will say, I want to distribute a certain amount of dollars for a wedding so we don't get out of control, a certain amount of money if they want to do church service, military, or Peace Corps. Um, a lot of times, and even in Matt's article, he talked about having multiple trustees where you get several people involved on when distributions do take place. I like a section that says, if the kids need medical costs covered, it's always covered, you know, sort of thing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's so much you can do here. Um, but Matt, now before we go s- back to open forum, yeah, what, yeah. What, would you, what would you add here in summary before we go back to open forum? Yeah, one final thing I was just going to note on this estate planning is um, thinking about who your trustee is, and um, and this you know sometimes it doesn't. This maybe it'll take a little creativity in your trust, but I think sometimes the default is um, let's say you have adult age children to say, all right, I'm going to list the trustee as my oldest child or whatever, you know. And that's just the easy default, and that's common, and and that's fine. But um, I think sometimes you want to think about, all right, um, who is the right person to serve as trustee? Who knows our assets best? Who has good financial skills that we know and love? And this might be a child that may be a brother or sister, a close friend or business partner or someone like that, and, and just think through who really knows our finances and who can we count on to make sure it happens and if you have a family dynamic that's maybe awkward maybe you have a, a child that's going to be a beneficiary or an heir to your estate that doesn't get along with other children um, you may not want to list them as trustee that can cause you know issues and, and possible disagreements so um, just you're thinking through trustees sometimes there's a little creativity in that um, and I try just try and point you in the direction of some factors to consider on who to choose. And that was my estate planning article as well that's on my blog today. I like that. Great self-serving comment, Matt. So <laughs> take it to another level. I need level. some views. I, like I got I got to get my SEO up. So it's worth it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a question here from Ron in Southern California. Great to hear from you, Ron. We've got uh, comments from all around the country today. Good stuff. It says, Mark and Matt, I have two company 401k plans that I want to consolidate and self-direct. I am no longer working for those companies. I want to know if I can self-direct the funds to purchase a commercial property. I want uh, to run my business out of the newly purchased property. There will be no other tenants in the building other than my own company. Oh, boy. Okay, Ron, well, threw a little twist there at the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let, let's take the fact, uh, let's take the last question off the table for a minute that you want your 401k to buy a building that's going to rent to you. Yeah, you might already have the gut feeling that could not work. But but let's talk about your 401ks first. Anybody that has a 401k, uh, oh, Matt, I'll give you the harder question there so you can break it on the back. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah, you got the good news. um, I'll do bad news. Yeah, good cop, bad cop today, Ron. So on the good cop side, um, you get to take your two old 401ks, and you can do a number of things. You could roll them into one consolidated IRA uh, with a custodian and start to self-direct them by setting up an entity to do uh, buy commercial property. Love it. Do all sorts of good things with it. Uh, Matt will tell you what some of those limitations may be here in two seconds. But, yes, you can take these old 401k plans, roll them to an IRA. You're good to go. We can send you a list of some custodians we like, uh, and you could uh, interview them, do your due diligence on them, and see which one may be a good fit for you, and get them into an IRA. Then we set up an LLC, and you have checkbook control. Within weeks thereafter, go out and make some offers, buy some property. Now, also one thing you can do, Ron, I know you have an S corporation, is you could take your S corp and create a new 401k. And then that new 401k, you could roll your old 401ks into this one. Now, a lot of clients like to do that because they're able to consolidate more money into one bucket. You can cut out the custodian. You're the tr- you're the um, the trustee, trustee of your own 401k. Yep, there you go. Trustee of your own 401k and still set up an entity and go out and invest. But you can make new contributions of a greater level now that you have a 401k. And we love this strategy. We've got a sister company, Navigator Business Services. It's, it's, uh, we have one of our – the administrator is in our office. Uh, it, it's where we 
provide legal consults along with the 401k plan setup so that you can get it done right. It's priced cheaper than so many of those yahoos out there setting up 401ks out of their basement. For 1200 bucks, you get all the attorney support to get the right 401k for you. So really, I would say, Ron, two options, consolidate to an IRA or set up your own 401k and consolidate to a 401k. Ultimately, still set up the LLC for checkbook control and protection as you run these properties, but uh, lots of options. Um, Matt, now... What can he buy with this property? Is he going to be able to buy yeah. it? Yeah. Now, if you get to the self-directed IRA or the self-directed solo 401k, those are the two options Mark talked about there. you got self-directed IRA or self-directed 401k. In either option, you can buy real estate, and we're fine there. Rent it out to other people. The problem is you cannot be the tenant in that building. You cannot personally reside there, nor could you have a business that you own reside there. And that causes what's called a prohibited transaction. That's one of the first things you have to know when you start self-directing retirement accounts into real estate or other alternative investments. Because when you self-direct, you have to make sure you're not transacting with people that are called disqualified persons. Essentially, the IRS has a number of people. They say, we don't trust your IRA or 401k to do business or transact with these people. And the first one on the list is you. And, And so... Great, that property can be owned and rented out to third parties. It doesn't work, though, if you're p- trying to buy it for your own use. Yeah, great. Great comment. Thanks for sorry. bursting Ron's bubble. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, sorry. Ron, you write your congressman. So, yeah, <laughs> write your congressman. <laughs> Nothing I can do. <laughs> write your congressman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they may move right on it. Um, <laughs> now we have another question from Natalie. Ironically, Matt, it's another 401k question. Maybe I'll take my the first stab at it here, and then you can – add some bells and whistles, but um, this is Natalie. Uh, she says, uh, when I my 401k plan uses non-recourse loans to buy property, is there no UDF tax, UDFI tax? Uh, and UDFI tax or UBIT tax um, and are oftentimes synonymous. Uh, this is a situation where you have loans on property. And Natalie, the good news today, because I'm the good cop today, the good news is you do not have to pay any UDFI with a 401k, which freaking rocks. Now, Ron, this relates back to your question, because if, Ron, you're going to take your 401ks, consolidate to an IRA, go buy a property and get a loan, you're going to be paying UDFI tax on any profits, which may be ultimately when you sell, or it could be cash flow that you earn along the way. But you got issues there. But with a 401k and you're going to have loans, there's no UDFI, unrelated debt financed income, and so you want to consolidate those and bring them in together. Good stuff. Um, I, I just just love it. So you want to definitely um, uh, go go consider the 401k when there's debt. Now she has a follow-up question, Matt. Here, I'm going to try to make it as bad news as possible so you can take the heat. She says, if mm-hmm. my 401k plan forms an LLC, so now I got an LLC in the mix. The 401k plan is 100% ownership of the LLC. Yeah. The LLC buying the property has the non-recourse loan. In this case, since the LLC owns the property and has the loan, will there still be no UDFI? Yeah. Now, the LLC is not going to change the equation. So don't think putting the LLC in there is going to get rid of UDFI tax or cause UDFI tax. If you still have a 401k and that owns the LLC 100%, that income just flows down to the 401k, and since the 401k is exempt from this UDFI tax, that's not going to change anything. You're still getting that exemption from UDFI tax, and that is most common is if you're buying a property that's going to be a rental and you're getting a non-recourse loan, is what these are called here, um, when, that's the type of loan you get when you buy property with debt you, when you're using a retirement account, but um, yeah, in the 401k realm, it's going to be exempt because the 401k is exempt from UDFI tax. In the IRA world, whether you buy it out of an IRA directly or you have an IRA that owns an LLC and the LLC buys it and gets the loan, in either of those scenarios on the IRA side, you would have UDFI tax. Now, UDFI tax isn't the end of the world for those that have IRAs. I did do a webinar on that, but um, 401k, you are exempt even if you have the LLC. Well, great questions, and I, Natalie, awesome. And Matt, great responses, stepping up to the plate, being the bad cop today. Folks, this has been another amazing that. hour 
of the Mark Kohler Show, soon to be the Refresh Your Wealth Show with co-host Matt Sorensen. So, you know, we're cutting our teeth here together, getting better and better at our co-hosting. But this is a great show, and I want to thank everybody for listening. And don't forget, this is the estate planning month. This is the chance to make your plans. Yeah, so contact the law firm. We want to help you get your estate plan done. It goes from May 15th till June 15th. Of course, we will be back next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, here with another version of the Mark Kohler Show. And thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much. Happy trails, everyone. Keep living that American dream. See you next week. Thank <laughs> you.